Hello, you are listening to A Way Up, a podcast where we'll look at what it means to be an effective leader and how to tackle any situation and manage change in order to achieve the results you want. This podcast is brought to you by Away and Storm Production Studio. My name is Anna Kovaleva. I'm an entrepreneur, a co-founder at two startups, and I'm going to be the host of this show. Leaders are not born, they are made. But how? Entrepreneurial life can be tricky, and it definitely leaves you questioning your sanity, believe me. What does it take to succeed in an era of constant disruption despite all the existing chaos? With this podcast, we would seek advice from entrepreneurs, executives, dream mentors, coaches and investors who are redefining the world of tech. Eventually, we are aiming to build a handbook for leaders of tomorrow. And today, our episode is devoted to negotiations, and we are going to look at how to negotiate efficiently. In a time of a global upheaval, effective negotiation is more important than ever. Whatever your profession, being a confident, effective negotiator can mean the difference between getting to a great agreement and the one that fails to optimize the value for you and your business. Today we're here with Andreas Garanziotis, a senior strategy consultant for EU at Amazon and a negotiation expert. Andreas, hello, so nice to have you on our show. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and your previous work experience? I know you were born in Greece and you have done various stuff internationally. How did you end up in the UK teaching people and businesses how to negotiate? And how do you define yourself these days? Okay, how do I define myself? Let me tell you a few things about myself because it's really important to know the roots of people so you will know where they ended up and how they managed to get there. So even though I was born in Athens, I come from a very small village in the Peloponnese. <clears throat> and when I was five years old, this is the time that uh, I went to live there together with my family. Now, bear in mind, this is a village of, with a population of 30. And when I say 30, I don't mean 30,000 or 30 million. I mean 30 people. Wow. We were 30 people in that small village. And this is where I grew up, of course, going to the school in the, in the big city. To me, it was a dream all back then when I was growing up in such a small city, not a city, such a small village, to do something in life, to get out of there. So the first thing that initially crossed my mind was how can I get there? How can I get outside in the world? Because, okay, this will uh, say my age, but uh, I was born in a time when uh, there was no internet and only phones and uh, TV is the, uh, the other means of communication. So I was born there and then gradually realized that I want to go around the world. I want to see things. Uh, I want to do something different. So I left there. I went to the UK and I started studying. And uh, my dad wouldn't support me unless I do something that he likes. This is typical Greek for everybody. You want to do something because they want in their son to see something that is reflected above for themselves. So he told me, you need to be an engineer, an electrical engineer, as I am, and then I will support you. Now, I had two options. I could say no and stay in the village. I could say yes and move on. And I said yes. And I went into Cardiff University. I started electrical electronic engineering. And then I started working in London back in 2001 with Horley. And I realized Oh my God, this is something I don't like. This is something I've been doing with all my life with my dad, but something I fundamentally don't like. 
And the first thing, and I would advise everybody that is, make a question. I made a question to myself and I said, what do you like? Okay, I like to do something different. I like to be in product and marketing. So look for a job and try to find and change. But I'm an engineer. How can I change things? You can. You can change everything. And I found a job in Dijon in France where I started to work. I, I did my first jump from engineering into working in a company that has Schneider Electric or Schneider Electric in France, that has big transformers and industrial materials, working as a teacher in marketing and pricing. So doing that leap, then I started working in, uh, in other companies. Uh, again, I asked another question myself a few years later on. I liked mobile phones. I worked in Sony Mobile and Sony Ericsson, Microsoft. And seven years ago, talking about negotiations, I did an amazing course, which was called the Complete Skilled Negotiator. And Anna, I was amazed. It was such a difference that I saw in myself after doing that course that I said, I want to be a tutor. I want to be someone who can change people's lives, who can understand themselves and then they can treat themselves differently in front of other people. So it's not only about negotiation. It's not about how to get the best deal on the table. It's about changing yourself because negotiation is everywhere. It's everywhere around us. So the first question is, how can I change myself and adapt and get a better deal? And by changing yourself, you're not changing only the aspect of negotiation. You're changing in the aspects of life. And that's what's most important. Right. Negotiations are everywhere, both in our work and private life. Is a business negotiation something very specific? In other words, is there any difference between resolving a work dispute and, let's say, negotiating a divorce? Look, the values and the fundamentals of negotiations, they're all the same. What we're teaching and what we're doing in this course and what I'm doing, of course, in my, in my next job that I'm going now is making people understand the fundamentals. Because if you can understand the fundamentals, no, it's not different. In a, in a way, it's not different. It's understanding some fundamentals of what you want to do where you're going to go, and what you need to make in the in-between in order to get the desired result. But to do all this, you need to have some things in mind. You need to have, for example, preparation, which is very important, where people do not think about it before doing a negotiation. Uh, you need to know yourself. You need to control yourself, because negotiation, for example, is not about winning. Negotiation is about maximizing the deal on the table. It's not different. The fundamentals are the same. What you negotiate is different, the way you conduct and the way you conduct the negotiation is different, but the principles were always going to be the same. And we see negotiation all around us. You negotiate every time. You negotiate with your kid, especially with your kid. Have you ever found a better negotiator than your kid? <laughs> Never. I actually always lose in negotiating with my little son. <laughs> This is the other thing. I'll sh we show you a way how not to win because it's not about losing and winning. Negotiation is not about winning. Negotiation is about taking the best deal on the table, as I said before. Because if you want to win, then there will be time. If you have this desire to win, then your ego will take over. And then you might lose everything. So it's not about winning and losing. Let's get this straight out. While we were discussing this podcast, I asked you whether I should send you the questions beforehand. And you answered that you actually like improvising. But doing something without proper preparation is against major negotiation rules. 
Why is this so important to prepare? And more importantly, what should be done in order to prepare in a proper way? Well, the first thing you need to know is the situation. You need to know the other party. You need to know if you're going somewhere. We say in Greece, <clears throat> this is a, there's a very nice saying. If you don't know where you're going, you better go back. Because where you were, you know where you were. If you start going somewhere without knowing where to go, then you need, it's better to go back rather than keep going somewhere that you don't know where to go. Preparation is about understanding what you negotiate, whom you're negotiating with, what are the strong points, what are the weak points, what, why is he acting like that, what you're expecting them. And of course, this is a highlight because uh, the, the course that we were, I was doing and we were doing, it's going in very much detail. Understanding everything about the negotiation, how planning, what is going to be your move, what you're going to say. You know how much more empowered you can be if you know beforehand how the negotiation is going to evolve. You need to know, Anna, if you don't know, preparation is for everything. If you go in a meeting and you're not prepared and somebody asks you a question that you don't know where the answer is, how are you going to feel? Awkward, for sure. Yes, and stressful. And if you're not prepared, the stress increases. And the fact that the stress increases, it makes you feel more awkward, as you say, or more stressful or doing mistakes. That's why I, this is the this is a rule in negotiations. This is a rule in life, it should be. That's why I was so impressed about the subject of negotiation when I did this course, because I realized that everything is reflected back to life. Always prepare. If you're not preparing business, for example, you've sent me a list of things I need to do before doing this podcast. This is preparation. We would have lost time doing the things that I need to do. Prepare about everything. I told you to send me the questions. You didn't, so that's up to you. But <laughs> preparation for me and for us, it should be hugely important, not only in negotiation, but also in life. Now, preparation and negotiation also involves what the other person is going to ask you, for example. You need to know what that might be the questions because you need to give the appropriate answer. Negotiation is often seen as an essential skill for guaranteed success. Is it really a skill that can be learned and improved or more like an inborn talent that some people just have? I say to my delegates whenever I come and whenever we talk after the, because we do follow-ups, we do coaching. And I say to them, they say to me, Andreas, now you've also coached another company. Now they know what we know. It's like university, Anna. You go to the university, do you think that the same in the same university, getting the same skills, both two people will get out of the university having the same knowledge and practice? And of course not. Of course. Negotiation is about learning the fundamentals and how you evolve it. It's after we finish that course and after you finish what we teach during the course, you go there and you ask yourself, is this the, uh, the beginning or this is the end? It's up to the person. The person who says, this is the beginning for me. Now I know the basis. I know what I need to do and I do it. They become great negotiators. And it is essential. And it is essential because in life currently, you can see how the world evolves, how the world is changing. If we cannot adapt to that change, then it will be impossible to move on. The only constant in life is change. And that's what's always going to be. And look the world around us, how the world is changing on a daily basis. 
you need to be ready for that change. And preparation will give you the ability to know what you need to do further or to have some alternatives. That's why it goes back again in the base of negotiation. Right. Adaptation to change is everything. Being open to new knowledge is crucial as well, but as said by the ancient Greek philosopher Socrates, I know only one thing, that I know nothing. I know nothing, exactly. Because the mentality is, I need to learn more, and I need to learn more, and I want to learn more. And I'll tell, I can tell you this. I was doing that course, and I realized that the people who think they know more, they are closed in mind to 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 learn something different. They think they know everything and then they really get hammered with uh, other people when they do live negotiations in this course. You need to have an open mind. I always say that. Uh, my, my wife says, and she can verify, that my favorite letter is why. Because I always ask why. Why you want to do that? Why? What is the purpose? Where are you going to go? You always, she's telling me, you always asking me why, why, why? Yes, I need to know. I need to understand. And this is, again, something I've learned in the context of the negotiation. Ask questions. Always ask questions. You need to understand about the other party. Because the more the information they give you, the more power you will have in your hands. Because information is power. Asking as many questions as you can, okay. Here we already have one negotiation strategy. Are there any other rules one should know? No, in negotiation there are no rules. This is the other thing we say. There are no rules in negotiation. And there shouldn't be. Usually people put rules in order to guide you through a certain path, okay? They want to tell you, you want to go there. So they tell you, for example, you cannot have these uh, days of uh, payment because it's in our structure, it's in our policy. Everything, if you put policies, if they put so many policies, then can you negotiate? So that's what we say. You need to challenge things. I go to, a new, every time I go to a new company, I ask myself why we're doing this. And I get a question like, but we were always doing it like that. So what? Challenge things. Again, look how all these things don't reflect on a negotiation, but in life. Okay. Why are you doing this? How are you doing that? And so on and so forth. So this is hugely important to challenge things, to ask questions all the time. Okay, if there are no rules, I'm sure there are common mistakes people usually make while negotiating. A lot. First of all, they don't prepare adequately. Negotiation can evolve. It depends on the two parties. It gets to the tango. But preparation, it's up to you. The second thing, and I've seen that, is that people have an amazing desire to win. Win by all costs. So when you get in a heated conversation, you see people that they get away from what it really matters and they try to win. They try to win over the other person. It's not about winning. Because if you know, I've seen people that they can make a deal at the end in a negotiation and it's a beneficial deal, but they squeeze them a lot. And instead of saying yes at the end, which is a good deal, they prefer to say no. Why? Because they have the desire to win over the other party. They want to win. And in their minds, it's like, if they lose, then I'm winning. Or if I lose and they lose, then he, did, he didn't win. And that's a common mistake. I see people putting up their egos, we say, in negotiations. And it's not about that. I mean, let's ask ourselves, you do a negotiation. At the end, how would you like the other party to feel at the end of a negotiation? Feel good about the outcome of the deal. Yeah, feel satisfied, indeed. But if you win, how can he feel satisfied? He can't. 
So you have to give them the symbols of success. You have to let them think that they've won. But it's not about winning, it's about maximizing the deal on the table. So people get mixed their feelings about what is to win and what is getting the maximum deal on the table, depending on the circumstances that you have in front of you. Because the negotiation role is going to be different. So, just to sum up, because I guess this is really important, all of these strategies can and should be built within the preparation process, right? Indeed, of course. You need to understand not only about the situation, but also about the other person, how the other person is going to respond to your questions, what they, what they might ask you. Everything is part of the preparation. It's hugely important to be correctly prepared in order to go in a negotiation. I know from my personal experience that controlling yourself during negotiations can be very tricky. Could you elaborate on that, please? What can one do in order to stay calm but stick to the initial plan? Sticking to your strategy, to your plan, understanding, and don't let your feelings affecting your behavior. Sometimes you'll get feelings like you don't like the other party. Uh, you, don't, you want to walk out and leave. Uh, you get upset. But if you want to make the deal and you need to be there, you need to control yourself. You need to accept how the other person is And your mind should be set up, how can I get this deal? Because I need that deal, if you need that deal, okay? Of course, you should have some specific boundaries inside your head of what can you get the deal and what not. But I see people getting upset about the other party. You need to manage yourself. Recently, I had a, a small accident with, uh, with a car. I'll give you an example about managing yourself. And then I always like to relate things to real life. It wasn't my fault. The guy came out. He had a new car. He started shouting at me. I had my family back in the car. And what could be my response? Inside, my feelings was, it's not my fault. He bumped on me and he started cursing and get out of the car. Should I respond back? Should I punch him? That's what I wanted to do. Would that bring me the best result, you think? No. He was 70 years old. He would probably get to the hospital, okay? Or maybe have something even worse. That's controlling yourself, controlling your feelings, understanding that I don't need to shout. I don't need to get into a fight. We resolved the matter. He asked me for uh, forgiveness afterwards. Okay, it was my fault and so on and so forth. But this was only because uh, I managed to understand the situation and control myself. And that's how it relates. Controlling your feelings is very difficult, Anna. Managing your feelings and controlling yourself is important indeed. Another challenge is understanding what the other person thinks and understanding emotions and feelings on the other side. In the end, it's all about emotional intelligence or the so-called EQ. Experts say negotiations without EQ are useless. Are there any ways to improve these skills if you do not possess them naturally? Of course, it's a skill you can, you can acquire the superpower because for me it's a superpower. I see, I've negotiated with people or I've seen people in my, in my personal life and I've been able to read them when they lie. There are so many ways to see because we have the verbal and the non-verbal communication of a person. The verbal is the things we say and the non-verbal is the things we do. When we're under stress, we cannot control our body, Anna. We cannot. When we're under stress, this will manifestate itself in certain ways. We blink much more rapidly when we lie, for example. Sometimes we scratch our nose. Why? Because our temperature increases when it's stress from the chest and above, which means that our nose is getting itchy sometimes. It doesn't mean that we always lie when we scratch our nose, but it's an indication. 
How do we move? Have you seen people under stress? How do they move their feet? How do they tap their feet all the time on the ground? Or what do they do with a pen? There's so many ways by just looking at the other person to understand when they say, for example, that, yes, this is what, this is my offer, that whether they're lying or they're not, whether there is more move to go inside the negotiation. So that's hugely important. So you can read their nonverbal, but you can also read their verbal communication. For example, when I told you in the beginning here that uh, you were late, I saw you felt awkward. And you started shaking your hands and pretending and explaining to me. You could say to me simply, yes, I was late two minutes, so what's wrong? <laughs> no, I felt really sorry about it. Exactly. Sorry. So it's the verbal things that we say. For example, if you go in a negotiation and somebody tells you, my starting offer is uh, £2,000, what does that mean? There are more to come. This is my starting offer. If you say my starting offer in a negotiation, it means that this is where you start. So <laughs> there could not be other offers on the table. Okay, you need to be firm. Uh, well, well, how do you? What do you think about a person saying that uh, it's probably around two thousand pounds? Probably around. It's not firm enough. So you, these are ways. To, to, to today, I went to buy a fish just a few minutes ago, and I say I like this. Uh, sea brim, the wild sea brim, how much is it? And he says, around 15 pounds, 15 pounds. And I say, okay, so it can be 13 pounds? He says, no, 15, no, you said around 50 pounds. So there is a, there is a, in between some, uh, some values of the around. So this is, for me, this is a superpower. I so much enjoy after uh, doing that course and of course teaching that course to sit down and watch people, how they react, what do they do, why they're acting like that. All these things are the things that they are being taught during the course. And this is amazing because people manage to get an understanding of what is going on and how can they read other people. It's like mind reading. It is. Understanding your partner's body language seems doable while negotiating offline. But we both know that the world has been transforming and today a lot of negotiations are done online. How to master those virtual negotiations and are there any differences, whether um, the negotiation is made by email, text or voice? How to decide actually what mode of communication to use? First of all, we say that you should always negotiate face to face. This is the best way to get all the responses, all the body language, the nonverbal and the verbal communication. But nowadays we negotiate on virtual and online again. This is possible. This is feasible, Anna. You can get an insight about how you respond. I can see your hands. I can see your shoulders. I can see your face. Okay. We, we know now that we negotiate uh, virtually. Of course, we're getting back on track to negotiate face to face as well. But virtual is also feasible. If I negotiate with someone and he wants to, he didn't, he doesn't want to turn off the, turn on the camera. I say, no, let's come back when you can turn on the camera. You need to have a camera. I need to be able to see you. I need to negotiate with you. And people, of course, may feel more awkward negotiating face-to-face, -face, and that's why they don't have the camera. They like hiding. There's Look, there are three ways that feelings and attitude are getting demonstrated. We have words, we have tone, and we have verbal communication or non-verbal uh, verbal communication. Sorry, non-verbal communication. And the majority of those feelings and attitude is being communicated by the nonverbal communication. There was a study back in the 1970s. 
which proves that looking at the other person and understanding their body language gives you more insights about how they feel or why they're acting like that. Now, there are many differences, of course. Uh, negotiating through an email, it means that you're just typing. You're just staying inside your cell. And I'll tell you the example. So it's, uh, there was a back a UCLA professor, Albert Merabian, who conducted a study about the feelings and attitude. He said that 7% of what of the words that we say show our feelings and attitude 35 38% is coming through tone and 55% from our nonverbal communication so if you're sending an email you're, you're just reading what the other person is telling you you can't see and understand what is the nonverbal communication from their feelings from their verbal nonverbal communication or their tone how many times have you misinterpreted a text message, okay? A yes sounds more different than a yes, okay? Because there's tone in it. So that's why communicating, especially through email for me, it's, it's a no-go. I've had in the past, when I was working in Sony, people sending me emails to negotiate and finding the, uh, agreeing on a price. And I say, no, we need to communicate face-to-face -face and tell me that. I need to understand where their boundaries are, where they lie and where not. When it's just sending a message, you communicate only 7% of the words that you're sending to them, of the feelings and the attitude through the words that you're sending to them. So definitely, I know that the world is changing, and this is going back to adapting to the change, but you can negotiate virtually 100%, 100% much better than over the phone, but not as equal as being face-to-face. -face. So we always say that you need to be face-to-face. -face. Are there any negotiating types of personalities? And are there any ways to assess yourself here? Let's say how one can get whether he or she or I am a great negotiator or a very bad one. Let me ask you, how do, do you think you're a great negotiator? You're a bad negotiator? Well, that's a very tough question. Being a podcast host, I am definitely good at asking questions. I am usually quite good at reading people's emotions and motivations behind actions. But I must say I'm rather bad at preparation and I usually do not take into consideration the other's party wins. Why? No idea. Who can answer that question? You know Anna? Well, I guess only Anna can. Thank you, exactly. Only Anna can answer that question. Whenever they ask me, what should I do? I don't know. For example, if you have a negotiation and when we do coaching and people asking me, what should I do there? I don't know. You've been the master of this relationship and this negotiation for months. No matter how much things you tell me within even if I spend with you like two or three or four days discussing with you about the situation, I cannot give you enough advice on what you need to do because you know, or maybe you know things that you don't want me to, you don't want to say to me or you don't think that I should know. So you are the only one who can ask that. The thing is asking why, Anna. Why you haven't done that? Why you haven't progressed on that? Why you haven't thought about changing that? What is the next thing you're going to do in order to change that? These are the things you need to ask yourself and these are the things that you need to do. The worst negotiators are the ones that they think they are the best negotiations. These are the worst negotiators I've experienced. I'm very curious. Have you noticed any differences and any specific things about women and men negotiating? Oh, that's a very good question. Yeah, I've noticed differences. I've noticed that 
men are most of the times more confident about the way they negotiate and then they get hammered by ladies who learn more, who are eager to learn more and they know how to negotiate. I notice also that women, no, I cannot generate that. Women and men are the same. I mean, we're talking about people. <clears throat> But when it comes to gender, I think that in general, I, I think that women prepare better. They prepare much better than, uh, than men. They have less ego than men, which is hugely important in negotiations because it's not about winning. And I've seen in some times that men have this instinctive desire to win. So having less ego in yourself, it means that you can be more successful in negotiations. Having less ego is actually good. It's actually better for maximizing your personal outcome. No, Ted. What about sharing the information? The less you share, the better? It depends on the negotiation. So uh, this is something else that we teach during the course, which is in which part of the of the table you negotiate. Are you negotiating for a once-off or do you want to have a, a long-term relationship with the other party? It depends. depends. Uh, sometimes you need to share a lot. Sometimes you need to say many things in order to find a deal. Because sometimes the only way is that you need to make a deal. I had recently a friend who is a, a vice president in a very big company, and they were telling me that their merchandising is being handled by a third party. Now, they have a multi-billion contract with them, and they're doing a terrible job. They can't break the contract because it's multi-billion, and they're doing a terrible job in trying to get their merchandising all over the world. What can they do? Is it their pro was it their problem? It wasn't. But is it a problem for them? Yes, it is. So they need to sit down and work with them how to find the appropriate solution. And it's very difficult. So it always depends on which part of the, of the, of the table, as we say, you negotiate. Are you negotiating on a, on a short term? Are you going to buy something from, uh, from the open market, which it will take you a few seconds? Do you really care about uh, how you treat the other person? No. Are you working on trying to establish a multi-billion contract that you cannot break and you need to find a solution so your merchandising can get to all over the world? There is a saying that kids are the best negotiators on earth. We are both parents. You have two kids. I have a little son. He's only three, but I already consider him a god of negotiations. Your daughter is almost the same age as Mark, my son. Is there anything you learned from negotiating with her? Uh, for example, she loves ice cream like her mom. Okay, so she goes to the fridge and she starts saying, ta, 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 which means more or less ice cream in Greece. And I say, I hear, I hear Elena saying to her, Anna Maria, look, you still haven't had your lunch, so you can't have ice cream. And Anna Maria keeps saying, ta, 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 like a broken record all the time. She wants that. She wants to get that. And she tries and she wants to get, and she, you know, and Elena, my wife, is getting angry, like, what the hell is going on? And most of the times she will find herself bending and giving her the ice cream. The thing is, they don't really care about our feelings. They don't really care about Elena getting frustrated about... She, she wants, Anna Maria, the little one, wants ice cream. That's in her mind. That's what I want. That's what I want to get. Okay? I don't care whether you think it's bad or wrong, whether it's, uh, it's good or bad. 
right or wrong, good or bad. I want that. And of course, this is a tactic, the broken record. We also use it sometimes in negotiations, saying the same thing all over and all over again, saying the same thing again, that the other person is getting exhausted and say, okay, but they don't care about our feelings. Most of the times when we reply something, when we give an offer for a negotiation and we see the other person responding negatively to it, we feel like we need to say something else. We feel like this is not accepted. So we feel that we need to apologize. Have you ever seen a kid apologizing about it? Never. No. No, small kid. no, they want what they want. So this context of the negotiation of having an ice cream or not, which is a once-off, they're very good in winning because that's what they want. And this broken record, this is what kids are doing very, very well. They know how to get what they want and they just say, we're going to get it, nothing else. Um, negotiating with, uh, of course, we're talking about uh, small negotiations with kids, something that it's a, it's a once-off. But I see it now with Anna Maria, is uh, with a little one, is trying to talk with her and understanding. And you'll be amazed from the fact that she now starts to listen. And if they see, the kids are replicating. Kids don't do what you tell them to do. Kids do what you do. So what you do, the kids will replicate. So starting discussing with her, she realizes many stuff. And now she's behaving differently every time that we're discussing about something when it comes to what she wants and how she can get it and so on and so forth. So you can even educate kids. So trust me, Anna. If you can educate kids, you can educate even grown-ups in how they can handle the negotiation. Going back to what we discussed earlier, you said that one always needs to think of controlling his or her emotions in order to get a better deal. How can you change the way you behave? And more interestingly, how can one change someone's mind? You need to understand yourself because only when you understand yourself, you can know how to change yourself and adapt to the behavior which is the most appropriate to the given situation. So when you have a situation, you need to know what is the state that yourself should be in order to get the best result. Controlling yourself is very important. It's very difficult because when you're under stress, negotiation is stressful, is knowing yourself only by practice and of course having the insights of this of what this course is doing, you can only get to a, a, the desired result. But understanding and managing to do and un- understanding the situation is knowing yourself. And it's very difficult. I mean, it's, it's rare that somebody will know 100% themselves. But knowing the way you're going to react, knowing what instigates your anger and how you can tame that, that's the most... It's, it takes a lot of time. It takes practice. And I can tell you, so most of the times, also you, have you ever thought about when you're really angry with someone to just take a pause, to just step back, as I said before, and try to see what's going to happen. We want to respond immediately. Look, let me tell you this. You have an argument. Have you ever thought about listening what the other person is saying? I bet, Anna, that when you argue with someone else, you don't listen to what they say. You're just thinking about where they're going to step and the things that you're going to reply back to them. So listening is another part of understanding and knowing the situation. And that's another way how to control yourself. 
it's really, really difficult. I can tell you understanding and controlling yourself. But at the end, it's something that uh, probably you will be able to do by practicing. Are there any ways to learn more about yourself, your negotiation style and your reactions? Start to notice your reactions. Well, you, you can, you know your reactions. You can, you can predict your reactions. And the thing is, how you think afterwards, how can you change yourself knowing what you did and whether this was the appropriate response to what you did and whether you need to do something different the next time. It's not about the first time. It's about what you do the next time that you find yourself. So if, you, if your response to something was inappropriate and you have a bad result, how do you react the next time? I cannot have tips and tricks. I can only tell you, try different things. If you see that something doesn't work, why keep repeating it? I watch myself sometimes. Some, some people tell me, oh, okay, your presence is intimidating sometimes. So I find ways to see how can I change that, for example, uh, within my family. And uh, I can see myself in the mirror. I can see how I respond, why I sound intimidating. Why do I look like that? So it's up to you how you're going to change. All right. I guess it's high time we actually discussed some negotiation theory. I, to be honest, used to go to some negotiation classes, and I know there are some specific terms one should know before getting down to negotiation business. For instance, BATNA, which stands for the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Could you tell our listeners more? What is that and why it is worth knowing? It's very important because, for example, if I am a supplier, they only have me as a supplier, and I know that the other person has only me. Do I negotiate differently if I know that they don't have a, a, an alternative? Of course I do. If they rely on me, I'm going to squeeze them. I'm going to sell my stuff. But if I know they have no alternative, think about it. Alternatives give you great insight, a great, a great lever uh, in terms of a negotiation. If I negotiate with someone and I have different alternatives, then I can negotiate differently. But if I don't, and I need to go with a specific supplier, for example, then I'm stuck. I need to negotiate and I will negotiate differently. And I will do hope that he will not or she will not negotiate differently with me. So if we were to give any advice to our listeners, we would say learn your alternatives before going to a negotiation table. Preparation, of course. No, no, that's why, again, we're going back to preparation. You need to be able to prepare correctly. You need to know what is happening on the other side of the spectrum. Okay, You need to understand why they need you, uh, why they want that, uh, uh, whether they have other alternatives, because it's going to be different. If I'm selling a car, for example, and it's one of a kind, <laughs> I know that the others, will, everybody will want it. So it's important to be prepared to know, to understand and to ask questions. These are the things that will get you inside the other party's head. Good. Any other important negotiation terms our listeners should be aware of? Yeah, so this is what we call, we call it the bargaining range. Any deal can land <clears throat> if both both parties do not break their their absolute points, as we saw the break points. Any, lead, any, any deal can land within that bargaining range, as we say. Uh, well, you need to know how can you push them towards their desired result, because... That again comes in preparation because you prepare, you know, for example, what is the maximum or the minimum that the other one wants to spend. And then you can, you need to push them towards that. You need to be away from 
what is your breakpoint and you need to be closer to the breakpoint. But again, it's preparation. It's again controlling yourself. It's sticking to... Say, for example, you're going to say, uh, most of the times we say an offer, which is the opening offer, which is, as we say, opening extreme, asking for more than we want. Okay. So when you ask for more than you want, it means that the other person will feel negative about it and will have a response. How do we react to that? How do we feel? Because as I said before, we feel awkward when someone is making a negative response to ourselves. To our, to, our, uh, to our offer. So we need to tame that. This is, again, controlling ourselves and knowing that we're going to stick to that and then gradually move towards the other party's uh, breakpoint, closer to what is the desired result for us. Andreas, that's it. Thank you so much. I'm done with my questions and I just want to say thank you for sharing your insights and your negotiation knowledge with our listeners. I really hope you guys enjoyed our conversation found some useful advice and some techniques to upgrade your negotiation style. And all of these can help you become a better leader. This was Anna Kovaleva with our podcast, A Way Up. And in our next episodes, we will continue to explore how to upgrade our leadership and communication skills and much more. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like our work, please let us know, leave a review and make sure you share your favorite episodes with your friends. Away Up podcast is produced by Away and Stone Production. We will be back in two weeks and thank you so much for listening.